0: I'm really a believer in, in the idea that we don't have God, that God has us. And therefore you cannot control who else God has. And so it just makes life, especially as a teacher, then I can, I know that the Holy Spirit can be active in so many different ways that my little tiny brain would like to box him in. He's so, he's so much more outside of that. And so I really try to just be in honor of what the spirit is doing Rather than ever try to control where he can and cannot go,
1: hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle, and my co host, Trifina Perumala Gagnon. This is episode 138, and uh, I have A bit of news, I'm going to share more in detail later on, but this is actually going to be the last episode for a little while, I'm taking a summer break and Maybe a longer break after that. We're going to wait and see what happens. But this episode hopefully will round things out for some beautiful closure and reflection before whatever this next season is. Our guest on this episode is Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Heather is someone I've been following on Twitter for years. I love her attitude and her work. She's an associate professor of communication at Andrews University. She's the author of eight books, including the book that we're discussing today, I'll See You Tomorrow Building Relational Resilience When You Want to Quit. Heather has been a contributor for Christianity Today and Newsweek, and she's the host of the Viral Jesus podcast. We talked in this episode all about reflecting people's dignity back to them, about approaching the gospel as an exercise in mirroring people's worth, about living with purpose and delight in the midst of the mundane, about the myth of self-reliance, and how relational community really is everything. But it's not necessarily everything that we were told it was. And we can, for example, have weak friendships that are still of profound value and sacred impact. So uh, Trefina and I really enjoyed this. Trefina actually joined us a few minutes late, so you won't hear her voice right at the beginning, but she slides into the conversation. And Heather is a delight. So, enjoy this conversation, and then at the very end, I'll share some more uh, about where to find out about Heather and what may be coming up with us. All right, here we go. Heather, I have been enjoying your mostly, like, college stories on Twitter for, like, I don't know, three or four years, and I think I got suckered in at some point when there's like a collection for folks who don't know you, and I guess those who do anyway, these stories of like an interaction you're having with a student and you are just offering people like dignity and Mm. humanity. And it seems like it's not that complicated, but you're offering young students kids kids young adults it seems something that many of them have never even received before mm. and you're starting from this understanding like that their whole humanity is going to impact their student life and it's possible that their ho- whole humanity hasn't included breakfast or hasn't included a bed to sleep in or hasn't included mm-hmm. all these kinds of things uh, and it's kind of like story after story where you're just offering this like shockingly simple but transformative dignity and that just like grabbed me and i don't know if that's mm. why everyone else follows you but that's absolutely what grabbed me and uh And continually there's you offer up these little stories that are just so humanizing and so beautiful and so Jesus and like seem to be so transformative and so like simple at the same time. Mm. So, I don't know if that feels like that's who you are but that's who I understand you to be and I'm sure there's so much more and I'm just so thankful to get to connect here in person. So thank you for coming on the show.
0: Well, praise God. What an honor to hear that. I receive your words and I hope to live up to them.
1: I would love to hear a bit more about you and where you came yeah. from and some of your story because I I've 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 not read your books I've only interacted with how you dare you way. I'm so how sorry. dare you Jonathan <laughs> I have only interacted with you basically through Twitter and Instagram okay and okay and that it has already been so I'm like I'm like books that would be too much that would be <laughs> <public> source, <laughs> let's not overdo it I don't I I've <laughs> got to count my I've got to count my gospel calories
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't know. Um, you know, that's like the biggest question that you can ever ask somebody is who are you? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, um, I always just say I'm, uh, forever a teacher and forever a student. I think that those two things are like the core probably to my identity. And I hope to serve where I wasn't, I'm really passionate about that. And that's what I always tell young people that I'm talking to that are trying to figure out which direction to go in is to serve where, serve in the gap that you fell in. Mm. And, you know, I never had a teacher. I was expelled from school, right? So let's back up. Let's go all the way back to like eighth grade. I was one of the first people to be expelled from my small town Christian school. So if anything, I feel like what I often had were adults who didn't get me, especially in the Christian space. I didn't really have problems once I went to public school. For me, I had a lot of problems in, in the Christian environment, not at all with my parents who were incredibly sincere Christians who championed me and never told me I was too much. Uh, and I, I think honestly, that's probably why I'm still a Christian today is because I had some really hurtful um adult experiences at as a, as a child with christians but i had some incredibly formative i just watched i watched my dad be the same person on stage as he was off stage if not even like more amazing off you know and so i saw that of course there's there's different there's different representations of what this can look like yeah. and if i just do what my dad did and get up every single morning and get on my knees and meet with the lord myself then i get to choose for myself. And so that's kind of what, um, I've done. I, I always tell people, I grew up in a van. My dad was an evangelist and we truly every single weekend traveled from country to country, church to church. And so I grew up in a very, I'd say conservative Christian environment where I always got to see and experience God in really profound ways. Like I've as a child, I love a program. I know like my, the generation I serve now, like they are anti-program. They just want to like sit in a circle and talk. I love a good church program because that's what I grew up on. You know, I felt the Holy spirit in my theater seat, watching the stage. I love that. Um, And that's how I grew up with my dad. But then I ended up, I always had like experiences with God where I felt like my faith was, I felt like I understood my faith on an emotional level. And then I think my draw to academia came because I wanted to understand on a logical level, mm. if that makes sense. I've always, I I, I think I use both sides of my brain. And so, yeah, I, I started studying and researching and just wanting to know that there was actual knowledge that can coincide with this emotional appeal that I had. And so I think that's what's led me to teaching. And that's why I'll, for, I'm, I was reading a book be, right before I sat down with you, fantastic book by John Walton. Um, called life before Adam and Eve. Um, Anyway. And I'm like, my mind is being blown on that right now. I just, I love learning. And then I love sharing with people what I've learned. So I just think I'm a really good Bible student.
1: Yes. Okay. That explains so much of what I love about you. Now I understand. Cause I am, I think very similar in that way. Okay. My parents were missionaries, YWAM missionaries. I grew up all over the world Yeah, and Yes, I'm highly intellectual, love to learn, love to read, love to dig into theology and language and sociology and anthropology and why humans do the things we do and how God responds to that. And I'm an Enneagram too with a huge heart and I just feel my way in and out of all the problems in my life.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, I love that. How, what were you expelled for?
0: You know, I've never publicly truly said
1: you're welcome. Uh, so to I probably, the question. I yeah, I, I
0: probably won't say just because of a lot of reasons, but um, I, here's what I will say. I, at the end of my time there, I was getting something called citations. It was like write-ups hmm. for leaning back in my chair. They put, oh, I would geez. lean back in my chair and they wrote me up literally on the citation. It said vandalism of school property. Oh, so crazy. what it actually ended up being was an administration that felt That a young black girl was doing too much talking and leading and was threatened by it and just thought it would be easier to get rid of me. What my principal said when he expelled me, and I've never forgotten this, he said, sometimes you have to remove the bad peach before it spoils the whole crate. And it makes me want to cry even to repeat it because I've like genuinely, I'm actually so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for my childhood and even all those experiences because it is the the whole reason why I've spent the last 15 years of my life pursuing bad peaches. Like I know what it feels like to be the lost sheep. I know what it feels like to have other, your friends, parents, not want them to hang out with you. I know that feeling and that shame. And so, and what has always been very shocking to me throughout my life is that God pursued me when everybody else didn't God did when I, and I would say it obviously wasn't the church, but in my young brain, I perceived it to be the church who was expelling me. God pursued me. And that's been very fascinating to me. And so I don't, I just, we can't I'm just—I'm really a believer in in the idea that we don't have God; that God has us,
1: mm, yes. And
0: therefore, you cannot control who else God has, yes. And so, I really try to just be in honor of what the Spirit is doing, rather than ever try to control where He can and cannot go, mm. right? And so, it just makes life, especially as a teacher, then I can—I know that the Holy Spirit can be active in so many different ways that my little tiny brain would like to box him in. He's so, he's so much more outside of that.
1: Yes. Yes. That appeals to me big time. I'm a trauma blessing graduate. So that's my pedigree. Very charismatic. And then now I'm more of a contemplative, but either way that that's my jam. How, okay. So one of the questions that I get from people all the time, which is tragic and powerful and sacred is how do I get closer to God when I'm terrified of God? Mm. How? Let me phrase that um, in the form of a question for you then. You sensed like God was pursuing you. Mm -hmm. How do you become aware of God's pursuit of you?
0: You know, I think that that's a very different question for every single person. And the reason I say that is because my sister and I grew up in the exact same house. And yet her experience with God has been very different than mine. And actually, if there's anything that I struggle with God on, it's that I do meet people who say, I've never felt it. Yeah. What's that like? And that for me is like, really, I can't even, because I've always felt it. I mean, like three, four, five, I always felt a deep, I, I can remember saying to God at like six years old, I am not going to sleep tonight until you talk to me. I need to hear your voice. I'm not Lord. I am not. And then of course I fell asleep. I've never heard the voice of God audibly. Um, I hope to one day I'm going to keep asking until I do. But so, and then my sister who grew up in the exact same house as me is like, huh, weird. Like i she's like, I just always take your word for it. And dad's word for it. Like I, she's like, it's not like I'm feeling anything. I just believe you because I know you're not crazy. And I'm like, wow. Right. So I can't, it's really hard for me to answer that because for me, I, I wouldn't say that like I found God. I think God found me and it was just a matter of stopping, right? But so how do you answer that for the person who says, I'm begging and I don't feel it? I don't know. I guess all I can say is keep showing up anyway. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think it matters if you feel it because my sister doesn't feel it and I have no doubt that she saved. So I think we just, <laughs> we just choose to believe And of course we keep praying, I think, for ways to experience him in in a way that makes sense for you. And God's going to work in so many different, for my husband, it's in nature. I mean, he goes on a hike and weeps, you know, he wants to sleep out under this. I don't want anything to do with sleeping outside, you know? So like we experience it. And I, for me, I truly like, I am closest to God when I'm reading, which for a lot of people would be like, You know what I mean? Like, hi, you feel God reading a book. I can't, I, it's like all of heaven opens up when I read a book. So I think whatever that, don't let other people tell you what it's supposed to be. Mm. Maybe for you, it's through music. Maybe it's through science. Maybe it's through whatever that is that you just get that like hunger for more. That's what I would say. Keep pursuing that and trust that God is pursuing you. I, one thing I know is that I'm not special. If anything that my childhood has taught me, it's that I was not special right? So I think people are chosen to show that people get chosen, period. And so you just take somebody else's word for it, if that's okay.
1: How did you and God, because obviously God has been key to this process. How did you get over that kind of, like, you don't seem someone who's crippled by those experiences, right? Like, mm, yeah, I knew I wasn't special. I, you know, I know what it's like to be skipped over, to be ashamed, to yeah. things that you vocalized. How did you begin to function and move beyond that.
0: Yeah. And again, like I would say I'm really, so I used to think, I used to say I'm resilient. Mm. I'm resilient. And then I I learned so much more about sociology and um, the looking glass self, essentially. We we know who we are based on the image of ourselves that other people reflect to us. The mm. greatest image in my life was my dad and my mom. So I'm actually not even probably resilient. I had really good parents. Because my husband who grew up sitting on his porch at six years old saying, he's going to come today. He's going to come today. I know he's going to, he told my dad's going to come He's he, he told me he's going to pick me up and nobody ever came.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: really struggles um, to get over hurt because I think he's experienced it more deeply without the mirrors that I got to experience. Right. So again, I wouldn't say that even how did I get over it? I mean, I, I lucky I'm just actually really lucky that I had parents who revealed a really beautiful. I mean, my dad always told me, even when I can remember when, when I was expelled, my dad said, you're Heather. I'm, I, I'm just telling you, you're going to be something. I know it. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I feel it. Right. And so I believed him. It's wild how much kids will believe their parents. So really like if we could all just like be better parents to our kids and project a mirror to them that says you are worthy. I hope to do that as a teacher in whatever small way I get to spend time with them. If, not even just parents. If we all as people, remember the looking glass self. People know who they are based on the image that you reflect to them of who they are. When they look to you, they see a mirror of themselves. What are you telling other people about who they are? I really believe the redemptive work of Christians is to reflect an image to other people that they are worthy of the gospel of God, Mm. right? That they are worthy, that their lives have purpose and meaning. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what it means to co-labor with Christ. Like you said, in the very beginning. It's E, it's not that complicated. We've made this so complicated. Can we, can we just give people back their humanity and their dignity? What happens when we do that? I know how powerful it was for me. Right. And so may we pay that debt and do
2: it for others. Mm. Oh my goodness. I have been high, by the way, I have been here for like 30 seconds and I'm like taking (laughs) notes. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Hi. Hi friend. Hi, friend. I love that. Well, one, I love like the idea of the looking glass self. But I think we talk so much about even as a spiritual director, you want to mirror back pe- to people who they are, and like that, like that Imago Day yes. ideal. But when you talk about that in terms of parenting, and you're right, like kids will believe so much. I think so much of even going back and unpacking our own like trauma or stuck parts, and all of it is like the. the the hurtful stuff that's been spoken over us that we've believed and not realized what we've believed. Yes. And so to actually have somebody mirror back your worth to you, oh, like it just sounds so beautiful and you're right. It sounds so simple. Like that, isn't that, like I just love when you talk about that? Is the essence of co-laboring with God and co-creating. Oh my goodness, like that is bringing the kingdom of heaven everywhere you go. And I love how simply you said that. Okay, I'm just like, I'm geeking out. I listened to this Bible project
0: episode and it was a really transformative episode to me where Tim Mackey says, what does it mean essentially to give glory? You know, people say, what's the meaning to a Christian's life is to bring glory to God. He says, what does that mean? And he uses the garden imagery and he says, is the purpose to our lives to stand at the driveway and watch God in the garden and say, wow, look at him. Do you see what glory to God, God is the purpose to stand at the end of the driveway and just keep screaming about how awesome God is and how much work he's doing. Or would if if somebody did that for you, would it be more meaningful if they picked up a shovel and helped you work? Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Which one brings glory to God? Probably picking up the shovel and doing some work. And so that's what we are called to do as Christians, not just to stand at the end end of the driveway and talk about it. But to pick up our shovels and whatever. And I'm, I'm telling, this is what I say to my students when they say, what's the purpose to my life? I'm like, go to class. Purpose is not a destination. Literally. I'm, I'm a communication professor. So words mean things, right? <laughs> the definition of purpose is the reason you do what you do. It's not a destination. Yeah. The purpose it's you go to class with purpose. You're faithful with whatever it is. God has placed in your hand. That's all he's asked of you is to be not with what you wish was in your hand. What does he actually play in your hand? Is it to be, just be a daughter? Then you be a daughter, right? In a way that all of Martin Luther King Jr. would say, he, he was speaking to a group of um, seniors, civil rights movement. The world was not their oyster. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? What do you say to a graduating class when the world is not your, when opportunity is not going to open itself up to you? And he says to them, if all you ever do when you leave here is be a street sweeper, then sweep those streets with so much passion and so much intention and so much integrity that all of heaven has to stop and say, oh my God, look at the street sweeper. Yeah. How do we just turn the podcast button on? And say, I'm going to do this thing, God, as if all of heaven's going to stop and say, oh my God.
2: Yeah. Look at them.
0: I'm going to teach this class. I'm going to, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a daughter. I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to be a husband and be a friend with so much passion, so much integrity, so much compassion that all of heaven has to stop. It's exhausting, but that is, I think what the call is. Yeah. Oh
2: my goodness. Come on. Yeah. I just feel like we need to sit with that. Like there is so much power in that. And I think like, I've been reflecting a lot on this with my own journey, but just how much value I've placed on productivity, whether it was just in the culture and in the water on like, from the time you're little, what are you going to be when you grow up? Because you have to be like a productive member of society. Right. And I think part of it's like that immigrant journey of like, you can't like, you can't just be a sweep, a street sweeper. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. There's this idea we of move to this team. country for you to yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like literally my son was with my parents yesterday and they took him on a tour of two of the major universities in the city they were in. And I was like, you have, th- this is like, but this is the value set. Right. But so what I was wrestling at with Jesus yesterday was like, what does it look like to just delight in the mundane? Because yes. this is where I'm at. And there's a song called begin in you that someone had sent to me recently in the power of what, who am I when I'm not wishing for what I'm missing? Yeah. so when you talk about actually just sitting with where you are and not trying to like, you know, keep up with the Joneses or whoever it is or social media and just embracing and delighting where we are, like, that's so powerful. Because I love that idea of like, you're not just standing at the garden and cheering God on, like, what does it look like to actually live your life? Yes. Holy and authentically. Oh, my goodness. Jonathan told me I would love you. Oh, I'm
0: so glad that we love each other now. Isn't that so great?
2: Good. So <laughs> good. Sorry, I'm just like fully, hey.
1: Here's, here's something funny, though, that I'm still trying to, that I need you to explain to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when we got the pitch for your book and we're, <laughs> and we're reading, like, I'll see you tomorrow, building relational resilience when you want to quit. Both Trifina and I were like... <clears throat> hard pass we are so done with any conversation about building resilience and we're so tired and we've had that guest on and we've talked about relational uh, and i basically said that back to the publicist i said i absolutely love heather and i've been waiting for her to come on the show anytime i've been waiting for the excuse i don't know that i want to talk about this subject matter yeah and she was like oh well that's a perfect fit then Yeah. This is exactly what Heather is like sitting with. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, Oh, okay. And then uh, I saw your words on Twitter. I wrote this book for people who are hurting, tired, processing. And I'm like, "Yep, check, 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 especially today, but desperately want to to keep their hearts soft towards themselves and others. Yeah. And I was like, damn <laughs> yeah yeah oh good
0: i mean unfortunately and i i totally i mean even with some of the stuff that's going on in my husband and i's personal lives we talk about this all the time i will say with this book i have spent the last decade studying relationships that so the study of communication is actually the study of relationship building that's that's mm-hmm. what you're studying so yeah. i've spent the last decade understanding how like literally uh, in evolutionary biology and in christianity unfortunately you were wired and created to exist in relationship with other people self reliance is a myth yeah right and so i i know all of that data and research i will say what i underestimated was the resistance people i have had so many people email me and say heather i love you i even saying like, I bought the book, but I can't read it right now. Mm -hmm. I just don't even want to hear somebody tell me to keep trying. I'm so done trying. And I, I just want to say, I get that. I get that. I will say, I mean, I believe in the Trinity. So I believe that God does not exist outside of relationship. And so I think it's wild that we think we can. I mean, it's just wild. Okay, oh, You were created in the image of a relation. God is relationship. If I give a Bible study with somebody, all I do is go through in scripture over and over and over how God's desire is to dwell with his people. That's exactly how, that's how scripture starts. And that's exactly how it ends. That yeah. God finally gets to redwell with his people. And how do we, li- how, how are we supposed to be Christians apart from what? Dwe- apart from being in relationship with one another, man, I, I think that that should be like the conversation is how do we, how do we keep engaging in this as a church? Because else, unfortunately I do think we stop being a church. Yeah, I would venture to say that your relationship with God is only as strong as your relationship with one another. Mm. Yeah. First four commandments, love God. Last six, love each other. The okay. entire law is love God, love each That's it guys.
1: Well, and and Paul goes further, right? Paul's like the whole law is actually just summed up in loving your neighbor as yourself, because you can't exactly. claim be loving God if you're not loving in
0: carrying one another's burdens. We fulfill the law of God. I do think, like you know, I, I I think it's difficult. There's so many things at play for our, which I talk about in the book. I mean, I think we're just in a different culture system. Mm-hmm. All all scripture was written for you, but not to you. Yeah, right. Like we we are in a very different culture system than first century Christians were in. I mean, just look at our time. We account for every minute of our, (laughs) we have to clock in and clock like it, everything is very different and consumerism and I mean, all of these things have absolutely impacted us. So yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. It is difficult, but I think unfortunately the call is to figure out how do I wrestle with that difficulty? How do I remain soft in a world that's so hard? That's nothing short of a miracle. Only through Christ can we remain soft in a world that's really hard.
2: Yeah.
1: Amen. One of the things you talk about in this book is weak ties Mm. And I'm really intrigued if you could unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Well, first, tell me: Do you like weak ties, or do you not like the idea of weak ties? Because
1: sometimes people get really upset about it. <laughs> Absolutely, so upset. As an NERD <laughs> too, a weak tie is only a reflection on my poor relationship building. Any any relationship is a potential best relationship, and if we don't end this call as best friends, I'm yeah. like I'm a terrible podcaster.
0: <laughs> okay, so here's what I would say to the person who's saying I'm exhausted trying. And I, and I think as Christians, at least for myself, like we can get a lot of shame and even saying like, I can't be with this person. I can't be with my cousin anymore. I can't. Mm-hmm. Right. So the language I would say is, well, how about we just weaken the tie? It's not like we're separate. You don't always have to sever the relationship instead of saying, what can you, you start saying? What can I say? Yes. To mm-hmm. right. I know what I can say no to. What can I say yes to? Okay, the strength of weak ties is a sociological um, theory that essentially says you are actually more formed by your weak ties than your strong ones, which is fascinating. And there's research that backs it up. I would say it this way, and this is what I say to my students, if you walk across the campus and somebody says, hey, good morning, as you walk across the campus, do you now feel like you belong more on that campus? Mm Yeah. You can have a best friend in the dorm room that only talks to you when you're in your dorm room. You guys are best friends, and you might not feel like you belong if nobody says hi to you when you're in the cafeteria. Wow. There is, and so this is what I say. It's actually an opportunity every day. Again, as Christians, we get to be a weak tie. We don't have to be everybody's strong tie, but we can be really good weak ones. Where every time I pass you, I'm acknowledging your presence. I when I go to my diner. I have a waitress there named Shirley. She actually owns the restaurant. She also is the waitress there. And every time I walk in, she says, Heather, where were you? I missed you. She hugs me when I come in. Do I feel like I belong in the diner? Because Shirley says hi to me. Where were you? Mm -hmm. It's wild. I do. And yet I don't go on Thanksgiving retreat with Shirley. Yeah. I don't talk to Shirley on the phone. But when I walk in the diner, Shirley notices my name and she notices I was there. She is a weak tie, but I feel more a part of my community because of Shirley.
1: Okay, this is profound because I have a really great barber and sitting in her chair is wonderful and humanizing and connecting. But I then feel bad for not inviting her to a barbecue. And I have beginning to sense that this is a burden I don't have to carry. Yes.
0: Yes, you can't be all things to all people, but you can be a really good Jonathan to all people,
2: oh, wow. right? Ooh. It really is flipping the script though. I think on what we've been taught community is in the evangelical framework, because even as you're talking, I'm like, oh my goodness, it, it's messing with me on so many levels. It's messing on the, you can interact with each person and it not be coming across as too much. Cause I feel like there's a part where it's like, oh, well, if you just say hi to everyone you walk by, you're being too much. Like you need to just get your stuff down, manage your time better. But also there's the other side where I'm like, if I don't invite the person to a barbecue, I feel like I haven't cultivated like a healthy, deep, meaningful, like relationship. Even if like, I don't know. it. I feel like I end most conversations at church with like, we should do coffee. And my husband's (laughs) like, what is wrong with you? You don't want to do coffee. Why are you at it? And I'm like, well, I just feel bad. Like we connected. So now I must need to go deeper. And then inevitably I'm like, oh, I'm just going to let them down. Or I just like, there's that guilt of like you not yeah. inviting your bar- your barber for a barbecue. I'm like, oh, well I have to do more and almost violate myself in the process of yes. doing more. I would say the more value
0: you realize relationship has, Mm. the more you realize just offering relationship period is valuable, Mm. Yeah. right? Like, I think we think that there has to be degrees, but what if every time we engage in healthy, loving relationship, we are engaging in an act of God, God is relationship.
2: Yeah. So
0: we get to offer relationship everywhere we go and all relationship has value. You know, you don't have to be you don't have to be best friends with every person. I mean, here's what we know from the research. People who are a part of CrossFit are healthier, happier people. Why are they like going to Thanksgiving with everybody in their CrossFit? No. But when they step foot in there, somebody knows my name. How are you doing? There's small talk. I belong. Why do I like to go to Starbucks? Heather, how nice to see you. We're glad you're here, right? It's a business. I am paying them but something happens in my brain where i feel like everybody belongs at starbucks that's how they treat me when i come in what if the church started behaving like starbucks just acknowledging people's presence and i think sometimes like the i'm i'm against like forced intimacy you know where like we force ourselves into really deeply intimate situations that that don't happen like the process of intimacy is a gradual slow process of of layer by layer withdrawal, what we would say in communication. Sometimes I think that's the problem with churches. We pretend that it's something it's not. Mm. And now I'm hurt Yeah. because we're saying, we're calling each other words. We're saying that we're going to coffee and it's like, it's not, you know? So how do we just like be normal? Pe- like, let's just be no- mentorship. I always say this about mentorship too, because people will write me and they'll say, will you be my mentor? I'm like, don't do that because yeah. mentorship is a relationship like any other relationship you don't ask someone to marry you the first time you meet them you say would you like to have coffee you go to coffee you see how coffee goes if it's good you say i'd like to do this again next month right like relationships are actually really gradual things you don't have to rush them or force them mm.
1: this is my relationship with my with my kids crossing guard <laughs> and, and and it makes perfect sense he he actually knows my name i don't even know how he knows my name mm. but i also know his name But I feel like the whole community knows his name. But I get a fist bump every morning and some weird, obscure joke. And, uh, you know, the other day he said to me, do you ever not smile? And I said, yeah, sometimes. But no, usually I'm smiling. Usually I'm smiling. And he's like, I love it. I love it. And I mean, yeah, we, we cross paths and bump fists every morning. And it is enriching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Relationship I'm... itself is enriching. Right. Just strive to have healthy, real relationship, whatever level it can be a strong tie or it can be a weak tie, and that doesn't diminish the value.
1: Yeah, okay, there's so a much huge take home.
2: Sorry, say that again, Jonathan. <laughs> it's a
1: huge take-home for me. I know. Like, <laughs> that like that everything why... is just like got to become strong.
2: <laughs> there's so much freedom in that. I think so too. Of like i can just be present in the moment in this relationship and love it and not feel like i need to do more
1: do you think jesus had weak ties with some people and i mean i know that's complicated because jesus was also god and are we making a statement about But don't we know he
0: did when when the guy that he the demoniac that he heals and he says can i come with you he goes no you're actually going to be more beneficial if you stay here oh, they're dang. not staying in deep. you know what i'm saying like of course yeah I think he just truly valued relationship and people as should we.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, see, this I've been wrestling with, like not wrestling with, but just think chewing over for a couple of years now, like this idea of like Jesus walked away from so many people. Jesus got tired and ditched that crowd. So either God doesn't care about everyone or God does care about everyone. And it's just a much bigger picture of how that plays out than like, If you didn't turn up to the feeding of the 5,000, oh, too bad. Jesus already boosted because he's tapped out.
0: Yeah. I mean, thank goodness for the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Which gets to be an individual experience where God lives in me. I mean, he doesn't get any more intimate or strong tie than that. And that's what each of us should be pursuing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. I love that. How about the the trauma aspect? You know, we have talked a lot on the show about trauma. We've had Ondi on many times. She's like a close friend of the show. Understanding our own trauma responses in relationship, in connection, what what? How do you see that in a in a connection communication framework?
0: Yeah. So I, so my husband wrote the book with me, and he speaks to the trauma aspect. I try. Not to talk about things that I haven't personally experienced. Um, so on the other side of that, I would say there are certain things that he won't ever probably be able to give me, or maybe maybe at sixty we'll see. I'm, we're only thirty six, but there are certain things that I have to carry. That is just I think the cost to my growing up the way I did. And so what I would say to people who are who are more like me, who didn't have traumatic backgrounds, they had difficult. But I wouldn't call it trauma, then the cost to that is that we make space for those who did. We lift one another's burdens. And in do so doing, we fulfill the law of God. Mm. You have time and you have space and you have energy and you have the healthy background to do it in a way that other people truly, even if they want, they may, n- they may not be able to, right? Because it might trigger them in a certain way. Your trauma triggers their trauma, you know?
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Like understanding that within the within the relational fabric of your community. Yeah, I get that. I mean, even as, as foster parents, like that that's part of the philosophy. Yes. Okay? Like we have resources to be able to offer yes. members of the community. And it turns out that our foster daughter's family live in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So like this is right here. Like this is not like across town on the wrong side of the tracks. Like they're hurting people in on your yeah. street that you may have capacity to lend to, right? And in various different ways. So that makes that makes a lot of sense to me.
2: It does. It also like, it's, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, oh yeah. So there are going back to like honoring the weak tie. I'm like, oh, there are limitations to what I can do because (laughs) of like traumas or histories and all of it. And like, that has to be okay. Cause when you said like, I take offense to it, I can do anything I want. I am like, then I'm like, wait, oh my gosh, no. Like I actually going back to like even 10 minutes ago, like I'm going to delight in the life that I have. I have to be okay with my limitations just as others have to be able to honor the fact that they ha- have more capacity, but goodness, that's hard.
0: Yeah. It Oh, it makes, it seem like something's there, but it's actually not because both people are giving the most that they can give.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're doing the best with the, like, the reason. Yes! Re- Absolutely. And
0: I, I will say like, I, something I love about my husband is like able to tap into rage a lot faster than I am. And I actually really like that because for me, rage is like bad. Right. So it's very difficult to even allow myself, right? It's hard to allow myself. And so I love that I have people that are so fiercely where I don't do that for them. If anything, when they're telling me like a situation, I'm like, Hey, let's calm down. Let's try to see it from the other person's angle. I love that they provide me a space where they're like, no, this is awful that somebody would treat you this way. And I'm going to say something to them. It's nice to have people like that in your corner. So I just think we all offer each other different things. I love that I have people that so fiercely and loyally want to protect me, right? In a way that probably they would say, I don't give them as I'm always trying to see all sides of a situation, you know? Yeah. I
2: love it. I I I can be th- like, I. this is so liberating to me. I'm like, oh, I'm the <laughs> friend that offers rage.
0: I, and that's like, nice for us. We so like, it's nice to feel protected. I like to know that somebody would fight for me if they needed to, you know what I mean? Like that's a sweet, it makes me feel very safe and, and I love the loyalty that I get from them. You know, it's just, a, it's funny how we're all different.
1: It's actually true, Trifina. If I, I've got obviously Maya, my wife and you, if I feel like an injustice has been done, I know who to tell You want to call her, right? get the right kind yes! of reaction uh, <laughs> to make me feel like, yes, an injustice has been done. I'll
2: yeah. <laughs> slash some tires. Like yeah. why do yeah. you <laughs> need someone to burn it down? Like, to rain this is so interesting sorry this is so like off topic but I'm like oh my goodness you're healing my marriage I'm <laughs> like my level-headed like husband who's like well just calm down like you're being a little angry and I'm like you're calling me an angry woman of color like excuse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me and then it just it's a mess but I'm like oh he just his his world view allows him to offer me something very different this yes. is beautiful
0: Yes. I have had to really train myself from reading um, Brene Brown, The Gift of Imperfection. I had to realize like, oh, I am trying to solve, like, it's okay for people to sit in rage. Like, that's not a threat to you, Heather. And I've had to allow that space, but it doesn't come natural. Right. I have to think.
2: I think it just even goes back to this idea. If you're mirroring God, like mirroring God back to people of like how they are representing God in the world or like, you know, showing up in their beauty, if you're giving them space for their rage or you're giving them space for their calm emotion and their logic and all of it, like it actually is very honoring to the different emotional parts of God in them. I love that. I love
0: the fact that God gets angry yeah. on your behalf, Yeah, right? That God can be that. For- yes. I actually, that's really good. Try know that's really good.
1: There's a psalm that I that I use when I teach on anger. and Then it's like, but the, the text is like, because the poor are despoiled, mm-hmm. I will rise up, says the Lord. Yeah, and it's like I will come down in furious anger. Yeah, because of injustice. Okay, that's good news.
2: Yeah, it's so good. It's very liberating. Yeah. Sorry, I'm being like a horrible podcast
1: host
2: i have a question for you i have to actually sit with this you're rocking my world here oh i'm so glad that we get spend time together
1: yeah so we're wrapping up this show for the time being i've got a bunch of trans we've both got a bunch of transitionary stuff happening in our lives that we really don't have our fingers on (laughs) and we we know it's happening but we don't know what's happening and so mm. one of the conversations we had the other day was, I think we need to pause the show. And, and should our interview with Heather be, can that be the end for now? And uh, listeners are going to be like, what, what? And we'll maybe talk more about that A podcast. Joseph Trefina and I talk about that, processing that. But I tell you, I am like feeling all this ego death and all of this mm. fear and I'm like, oh, all my patrons will leave and all of this will happen and all of this will happen. I'm I've stepped back from pastoring and preaching my last sermon this Sunday on what? Rest, of course, because I'm so terrible at it. And yeah. I'm I know I'm exhausted, like I'm mm. depleted. And even yesterday, uh my daughter, my 10-year-old, was driving with her mom and they were shopping. And she said to, to her mom, You and dad are fighting a lot right now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of upset. And so Maya said, Oh, let's get home. And you can tell your dad that. (laughs) So, so she did. And (laughs) so, and so I'm like, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Like that moment. We're actually great. Dad's everything's leaking out sideways because dad is exhausted. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So
1: depleted. And, and I recognize depression starts to arrive when I don't have the energy to do the things that keep me afloat. And, there's there's lots there, but but so I'm apologizing to my child thing. I'm sorry that you I'm sorry that you that you are worried about that. You don't need to carry that for mom and dad. We're we're actually great. It's just we're just getting snippy because dad's exhausted and your mom's about to go on vacation for three weeks with one of the children and I'm gonna be at home with the all the other three and the dog. So yeah, that's a whole thing.
2: I love you, Jonathan. But you just came back from being away.
1: But cool. <laughs> I came away from, I was working away. I was not on vacation. I know, I know. I was doing something terrifying and new for the first time in another country.
2: You (laughs) did an amazing job. This is my rage for Maya. This is, this is.
1: (laughs) So many layers.
2: (laughs) Sorry, go on. I cut you off.
1: I feel like you have something to say, Heather, about stopping and Mm. withdrawing from things and rest that might be helpful for me to hear.
0: I hope so. I, so I can relate. I actually opened the book. Um, I'll see you tomorrow by talking about a time that I actually got physically, I got gastroenteritis where it literally felt like I was having labor pains. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I call my mentor and I had been running myself ragged. And I just remember the most liberating thing that he said. I was in the middle of doing a, um, like a, a camp. I was like a, a speaker for this high school Methodist camp in Ohio. And after the messages, I was speaking twice a day. And then afterwards they're like, asking me to go to all these different homes. And I'm like going to all these different homes. Cause I feel like I have to, because I have to be God for them. And he was like, but you're not like you, the, the point is to point other people to have their own relationship, not for you to be God in the room for everybody. Like that you are actually disservicing. You're, you're, you're teaching people to stand at the end of your driveway and clap rather than teaching people how to pick up their own shovel in their own yards. Right. right? And that for me, I am telling you something clicked as somebody who is always, I like dramatize my life. So I'm always like, well, what if this conversation is like the moment that this person turns us around? So I don't want to miss any of the conversations. And I've just had to realize, yeah, that you're a human being, that the Sabbath is built into the commands. For a, it's a command, mm. it's a command, yeah. right? And so we are supposed to be able to rest in Christ and trust that God is going to keep being God without Jonathan
1: at the pulpit. Which is a wild thought, isn't it? Those are literally my sermon notes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I, parts of me know this, but parts no, of me clearly don't know. Not. You want to
0: know, Jonathan? And I would say this to anybody listening you know how we experience it is by stepping back. You may know it in your head, but you know how you experience it in your life is when you step back and you realize the world doesn't crumble. Oh, yeah. And the And what do we, we all know this. I mean, I'll never forget. This is actually a very sad example, but this teacher at the school I used to work at passed away halfway through the semester. And it was of course, very sad, but then I watched everybody just fill his classes. Hmm. And that was a, it was a moment for me where I said, if I die, they're just going to fill your classes as much as my students love me. Somebody else is going to teach them. The only people who are really, truly going to have their entire lives upside down and not be able to go on is the people in my house.
2: Wow. Right.
0: Yeah. And so how is that the place that we are able to spend our most energy and recognize that everything else is what's left after I've served the people who literally will not go on for the rest of their lives if something happens to me.
1: Right. My daughter is literally upset that moment. <laughs> That's, so
0: That's what I'm, I'm learning for myself. And I, and we have to be, you got to take those seasons where you step back and things are seasonal. Yeah. It doesn't mean forever. You step back and you see God keep moving on without you. And you're like, this is amazing. It's not all on me. And then you go back when you're in a season where you can life is see, I mean, the world goes through seasons. You think you don't go through seasons. Of course
2: we do.
1: Trevina, do you feel like this is the exact same conversation we were having one year ago
2: <laughs> at this time of year? I feel like this is the frustrating part to me, right? Because, so I was reading a book last year called Wintering. Um,
0: oh my goodness. I love wintering. Wintering changed my life. Me too. Literally. Yes. That vocabulary for me, Catherine May, wintering. Yes.
2: She's brilliant. My girlfriend, oh, I don't know if you can see this. She literally bought me a snowflake necklace to be like, you need to sit in wow. this wintering season. Okay. So cool. So this is the conversation Jonathan and I were having of like actually stepping back and like allowing like in the, like in the dead of winter, when you think nothing is happening, there's actual beauty and growth happening under the surface. And what I found wild about her is she pulled her kid out of school yes, and allowed him to winter. And so part of my journey is we have a very complex parenting (laughs) situation at home right now. And I literally have a kid that has been pulled out of school to, because they can't, like, it's just not happening. Yeah. And, I am, as much as I have learned, thought I learned this journey last, or this lesson last year, I am raging right now because I've had to like quit jobs and like turn things down. And I'm like, it's exactly, it's, I'm like, oh, I'm missing out on the opportunity to speak into other people's lives. But even wow. as you're just talking about it, I'm like, who cares about the other people's lives? Their lives are going to be on, like going on. Like, what is this accolade that I'm desiring when really the person that's most important? Yes, sitting outside that door on a switch right now like right. that's it but there's something so angering to me that I'm somehow missing out and then I'm angry that like as you said Jonathan I'm like I had this feeling last year when there was another whole like kerfuffle and life had to like take a hiatus or whatever even that language is interesting because what I value is life is not actually life wow So I was at a prayer day yesterday and they played a song, Take Me to the King. Yes. It's one of my favorite songs. Oh, phenomenal. And and one of the lines is like, I'm all cried out. I'm all churched out. And I was laughing because I'm like, oh, this used to be my pump up song eight years ago when we were pastoring like a church plant. Not a good pump up song, but just like a, okay, I need to acknowledge where I'm at. And so listening to it now, six, seven years later, I'm like, I'm angry because I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. also I'm like, oh, I actually feel it differently though. There's been growth. If I'm like gut level honest, like Jonathan, like you're not the same person you were last year. No. You're not the same person you were seven years ago. I'm not the same person. Like in some ways I'm still wintering, but it's for different reasons. And then like, literally going back to what you just said, I think there are realities to what has happened in my life and what continues to happen in my life that maybe I just need to be okay with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Even like you just said, Jonathan, like do you feel like you're in the same place? I'm like, maybe I do. What? Like I do, but maybe that is okay because that's the capacity.
0: And I would say, Trifina, like what if it's not just about being okay with it, but giving compassion to yourself for it? What if we would be the the friend to ourselves that we would be to everybody else? How do we start doing that? Because the reality is if I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to somebody who talked to me the way that I talked to me. I would not be friends with somebody it's who true. was a friend to me the way that I talk to myself. So, how do we start offering ourselves the same compassion that you easily give Jonathan? How do you give that to yourself? And I do. And just so you know, the, all the research is saying self compassion is more important than even confidence and self esteem. Yeah, we have done so much work around how do we raise self esteem when what we should really be doing is telling people how do we just offer ourselves compassion for the things that we've been through.
1: Yeah, that's so real. That's so
0: more important than self-esteem
2: is your ability to offer yourself compassion. I know we're wrapping up, but Jonathan, a few few sessions ago, a podcast ago, I feel like we were talking about this whole Enneagram two thing and feeling like when you're out in the world, you actually feel like you are so insecure, and still you you're in a situation you think you have nothing to offer the world, and it stuck with me because I'm like, oh, there is so much insecurity in my life, but it's so interesting. They're like, it's not about going after the insecurity; it's about going after like actually the self-compassion.
1: Mm,
2: and...
0: yes.
1: I find so many loopholes. Like like the, the travel that I was doing that Trefina alluded to last month was literally teaching workshops on self-compassion in, in another country. Like, so I and and on that trip, I was so present to what I would need to do that, far away, alone, uh, taking a bunch of financial risk, all of that. But as soon as I get back home, it's sort of like it's time to be businesslike and serious yeah. <laughs> and, and work harder, slave. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so this is so good. This is so good. Thank you for leading me back to to your own workshop. but but what you said, what you said about knowing something versus experiencing it, if I don't stop and offer it, yes, it's the knowledge accomplishes nothing it
0: doesn't mean anything.
1: Oh, that's, that's going to take me through till September. Heather, thank you.
2: I hope so. Thank you so much for showing up as you and for having weak ties with us. (laughs) Oh
0: my goodness. Isn't it great? So good. And no pressure. Doesn't that feel good?
1: (laughs) It really does. does. It really does. Heather, would you pray for us?
0: Yes, I'd be honored to. Dear heavenly father, I just, there's so many transitions that I heard um, going on as I was speaking with Jonathan and Trifina. And so I just pray that you will remind them that you are the same God um, who said to each of the disciples, when they said, where are we going? You said, come and see Mm -hmm. father to each person who is listening. May you remind them that part of following you means quite literally that we don't know where we're going. That doesn't mean that anything's wrong. It doesn't mean that we've messed this up. It means that we are following you. So may we come and see where you are taking us. May we show up as ourselves and give compassion to ourselves as we go on this journey. In your name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Trifina. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. Uh, Friends, go check the show notes or head to jonathanpuddle.com to grab a copy of dr heather thompson day's brand new book i'll see you tomorrow building relational resilience when you want to quit and you'll find links to her website heatherthompsonday.com and her podcast fire with jesus podcast as i mentioned and i'm sorry if that came as a surprise uh, we're going to take a pause here on the podcast for a little bit Uh, i take the summers off usually anyway and so we're just heading into july and august now and my kids are off school and i I want to be present to them. And last summer, it was a bit of a mixed bag. I ended up regretting trying to do too much work. So I'm going to be off with my kids this summer. And then in the fall, I've got a number of writing projects that I just have a sense are going to need some more focus. I don't have a very clear idea of what's coming next, but I'm going to take, uh, we're going to put the podcast on hiatus for the time being. And uh, I think I'll still be on social media a bit but yeah right now i'm just sort of needing to rest and recover and then we're going to see what comes next but i've got uh, two two books right now in active development and i am uh, just sensing that those are going to need to be a priority so thank you so much for being with me for the journey here of this podcast for a few years we haven't taken any longer than about a month or two month break since i began back in 2018 so five years Pretty wild. Uh, and I've met some amazing people and had some incredible experiences. And all of you who've listened and shared and encouraged have made it so worthwhile for me so thank you to all of you if you would like to chip into the work that I do and support my family you can become a patron you can go to patreon.com slash puddle and three dollars a month get you in it's a real helpful blessing to my family my income basically comes from patrons book sales and private consulting uh, the more private consulting of course I do the less writing I can do so that's kind of the season that we're just sliding into friends grace and peace to you uh, never hesitate to drop me a line you can email me mail at jonathanpuddle.com. you'll find me on all the social medias at jonathan puddle and i hope to be in touch again see you